The Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast is brought to you by the Office of Communications at the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. We want our teenagers to be people who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who understand why they know and love Jesus, and who have made a commitment to live their lives as his disciples. If all of that is in place, then that's going to to be the rule and guide of dating for them. Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. Welcome back. Thanks for being uh, a little patient. Uh, we had a big uh, event happen within the family, so I've been a, a little bit out of pocket. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure you can probably tell. The event. The event, yes. I forget the event's name. Tell me again. Yes, John Dominic. John Dominic, yes. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. all the Minahans. Yes, number yeah. baby number five. I'm number sure you five. can tell black underneath my eyes i yeah. had to have Renata probably give me a little bit of extra concealer or something <laughs> like that the, to get the black underneath my eyes from lack of sleep but uh yes I, I remember those days growing up with siblings and since i'm the second i was around for all 10 of the others but of course i wasn't aware of what well, five of them so but the last few i was very aware of and so it brought a big change to the house so yes congratulations yeah thank you i saw the boys at the oklahoma men's conference they seemed to be none the worse for wear and that's right yes they were excited they were uh really pumped to be a part of that that was their first time to be there this year so okay which was the uh, my oldest is this is the same age as what I first went to the Oklahoma Men's oh, Conference. Okay. Okay. So um, it was really cool because you know my dad brought me when I was nine years old. Okay. My oldest nine is now get got a chance to go and yeah. I don't think I knew it was going on that long. Yeah, twenty seven years. Yeah. So well, there's definitely uh, men and women because of course the next week was the women's one. Mm -hmm. uh, Eleven hundred women mm -hmm. came and nine fifty on the men's side. There's definitely men and women in the diocese here who are interested in having that conference here or a conference like it. And, um, you know, the thinking would be to alternate them. So one is in spring, the other one would be in fall or whatever, let's see, winter, I guess. Um, so that they're half a year apart, mm -hmm. and then people from both dioceses could go to more than one a year if they wanted. Right. Um, different speakers and all, and so, right. um, so yeah, that might that might be a, a wonderful thing to do. We're getting about a hundred to one hundred and fifty now from the diocese going over for those conferences, mm -hmm. which yeah. is a commitment, right? Because it starts yeah. early, so right. to get up early and to drive down there, that's I mean, right. intentional. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, I. You know, I think that would be a wonderful thing to to do. Yeah, you know, absolutely. for the diocese and for the states. So. Yeah, absolutely. Ray Heffley is the guy who does the uh, Oklahoma mm -hmm. Men's Conference. He's such a great man. Uh, we've been working with him for I don't know five or six years now, sure. uh, helping helping out. And so, yeah, we're excited to kind of see maybe potentially doing that here in Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, so before before we get going, I wanted to give a shout out. 
can I give it? Maybe this is the first time for a shout out and on Tulsa time. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. No, no, not, not not a commercial. Just a shout out. Uh, John, I'm not sure his last name, but John uh, gave us a a review on the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. And so he said he doesn't live in Tulsa and he's not Catholic. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, he said the podcast is a great listen and has some excellent additional content to help pursuing the life of virtue. And he strongly recommends people listen. So Good. he went on on the podcast and. Uh, ooh, almost dropped it, but yeah, but left left us a review, five stars. So so he's not one of the ones we paid. So he's not one of the. <laughs> no, I don't think Daniels has come in yet. So we have Daniel and Renatas, and they'll they'll, they'll come in soon. But uh, yeah, so uh, I appreciate that, John. Thanks for thanks for uh, leaving a review. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And especially not even ca not Catholic, not from Tulsa. So well, and to remind people, we're we're uh, very open and interested to hearing from people if they have questions or particular things they'd like us to address. We're happy to try to do those things. So. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to piggyback off of what we've been talking about mm -hmm. uh, and continue the conversation. Uh, we're talking about marriage. We're talking about preparing for marriage. Right. Uh, what does marriage look like? When does marriage prep start? Uh, what is the purpose of marriage? And we've only been at it twice so far, I think, the last right. two episodes, and it's a huge topic. Uh, we have said that marriage preparation is is uh, equal to and really the same as faith formation. That's why it must start at birth. Mm -hmm. uh, the point of marriage preparation in in what we call remote marriage preparation is formation of life with Christ. So we want our teenagers to be people who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who understand why they know and love Jesus, and who have made a commitment to live their lives as his disciples. If all of that is in place, then that's going to, to be the rule and guide of dating for them. Mm -hmm. And I use that word advisedly. I want to distinguish it a little bit here, though, because, of course, dating is a word that's used in our culture to, to cover everything. Right, there's a lot, but, yeah. But it's not, it's not useful for that. We're going to use it because that's the word that gets used, but we'll talk a little bit later in this episode about the difference between dating, quote, dating for a teenager or a teenager versus dating for someone who is looking to marry, who wants to be married, uh, because those are different things. But what unites them is that successful dating, being ruled and guided by the relationship with Jesus, is all about chastity, it's all about faith formation, it's all about growing in the virtues, in self-knowledge, in social competency, my ability to relate to men and women of the opposite sex, in either individuals or in groups of people uh, so that I understand my own self well and am able to relate to people who are different from me and all of that. Psychosexual maturity is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are all things that come out of successful dating uh, throughout all the ages. Um, but I would make the distinction between uh, what I would call premarital age dating. In other words, a person who is at an age where marriage is not really a possibility in the next year or two. Right. Uh, versus someone who has reached the age of possible marriage and has discerned that... That's their vocation. I do want to be married. I do think God is calling me to marriage. 
And I do want to be married as a vocation, as a, as a way for me to relate to and serve Jesus Christ. I do that in and through marriage. Um, you know, we, in, in our culture, what is common is for teenagers, even very young teenagers, to have boyfriends and girlfriends at all times. Oh, yeah. It seems like if, if I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, there's something wrong with me. You know, there's that sort of message out there. But that really puts a pressure that doesn't belong and gets in the way. A young teenager is nowhere near being able to get married. What would be the point of a high school freshman mm -hmm. uh, forming a monogamous and, quote, serious relationship with someone that's going to go, what, all the way through high school? Unlikely. Right. I do know of cases where it has happened, and there may be people who are saying right now, listen, I knew my sweetheart when we were three. Right. That's the case for my little brother uh, uh, Chuck and Lori. But it's very rare. Right. And it gets in the way of this kind of learning that we're talking about, which comes from simply having the freedom to go out with different people all through uh, high school in groups or even singly, on dates, that's why we might call it dating, is because we've established a set time when we're going to go out together to do this thing together. Right. But it's not dating in the sense that our culture tend to, tends to understand it, which is um, monogamous relationships among young people, too young for marriage, but the reason they're monogamous is because they're at least not going to sleep around with multiple people, multiple people at the same time. Uh, I want to be in a, quote, sexual relationship with someone. Um, even if I'm not having sex, maybe there's simply uh, promis promiscuous uh, uh, kinds of relating going on. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why it needs to be monogamous from the perspective of the society, from the logic of the culture. Right. But that's that's not what dating needs. Dating that's not even what David is, dating is. Right. It, yeah. it for the for the purposes that we're talking about in terms of this self-knowledge, self-growth, all of that, we don't need to have sexual relationships. Therefore, there doesn't need to be monogamous relationships. Therefore, a person who's in high school could be going out with uh, you know, let's say a young man, he's going to take one young girl to one of his classmates to the football game on Friday. On uh, Sunday, he's going out to have um, coffee, I guess is what they sure. do now, uh, with someone else. And all of that is fine because I don't need to have these monogamous relationships. Uh, all of that would help young people to grow more. Mm -hmm. Grow in the virtues more, grow in that sense of self-control, that confidence mm -hmm. that I can control myself, that I know how to, to uh, live the virtues in different kinds of settings and so forth. And that the identity is not wrapped up into one, you know, one relationship or one person. Right. We hear from people who are looking into uh, the effect of all of our smart devices and social media and all those things on young teenagers' uh, sense of happiness and confidence, and it's harming them mm -hmm. because of precisely what you say. My identity gets all wrapped up in that. So what we want are people who are confident in their own skin, uh, confident in their relationship with Jesus Christ that guides their life, uh, and then they can 
go out on dates with people out of that. Okay. Now, that we're talking about is premarital age dating, quote right. dating. But then there comes marital age dating. Now a person reaches, let's say, middle years of college or whatever. Sure. And they're thinking, uh, I really do want to be married. I do believe God is calling me to marriage. I have thought about priesthood. I've thought about religious life. As I've thought about those things, I have not felt an attraction to those things. I have, you know... Uh, learned a little bit about it. I've either done some reading or talked to some religious or priests or, or gone on, uh, you know, different kinds of, of um, exploration retreats or something. Yeah. We used to do from Texas A&M uh, trips that were called the Nun Run. Yeah, the nun, I was about to say yeah. the Nun Run. Yeah, the Nun Run. That was a famous fun trip. Uh, college students who pack into two vans, uh, young girls who pack into two vans and head out for two weeks on the road, mm -hmm. visiting different convents across several states uh, on a kind of a retreat slash road trip. Mm -hmm. Along the way, getting to experience and see, witness, and talk to uh, different forms of religious life and different kinds of religious communities. That's an excellent way to discern uh, whether that religious life seems to be what God is moving me to. We also had the seminary sprint, so uh, I was wondering what the the, yeah, the, uh, the guys were not going to be outdone. So they said, no, no, <laughs> no we're going to sprint. If there's a nun run, there has to be a seminary sprint. So we do the same <laughs> thing with the seminary sprint. Then uh, somebody told me later there should also be a deacon's dash. We never, <laughs> we never got <laughs> to a deacon's. We dash. never got around to the deacon's dash. Now, so we should think together. Okay, so then what should the marriage one be? The <laughs> marriage marathon. The married mar There you go. That's it. The marriage marathon. Of course, the new father of a non-sleeping baby would come up with that one. Um, but no, the the point of those, the point this point, right, is that it's not the rare individual who should discern priesthood or religious life. Every Everyone individual should discern priesthood or religious life. It's just that it won't take everyone very long to do it. Sure. Because most people are not called to priesthood or religious life. God calls most people to the very uh, sacred vocation of marriage. And if I'm not called to priesthood, it's not going to appear attractive to me. Right. And I think there would still be a, a benefit to it, right? You, you would learn, uh, you know, little tidbits of spirituality or like, you know, how to order your prayer life or things you would learn that would that you could apply to marriage that would make your marriage uh, more, holier. Yeah. Now, I think that the primary benefit would mm -hmm. be that you did close the door. Sure, absolutely. As you move forward towards marriage, you won't be moving forward towards marriage just guided by your emotions, mm -hmm. just guided by the fact that, wow, this person is attractive to me. Let's have a relationship and see where it goes, you know? Right. What's the term we use in our culture? They fell in love. I've fallen in love. Mm -hmm. That sounds like an accident. That doesn't right. sound like a, a plan or a vocation. So by discerning priesthood and religious life, even if it's just for a moment to say, oh, no, that doesn't seem attractive to me at all, I definitely want to have a spouse and a family. Uh then I close that door and I know going forward, I did think about that. Mm -hmm. That's not my vocation. 
and I'm going forward with my vocation. But that's the big point about uh, reaching that marital age, is that I've come to that point, I look at priesthood of religious life, that doesn't seem where God is calling me, I do want to be married, now I'm going to be dating, but in a different way. Again, not for the purpose of sexual experience, there's no need for that, Uh, but... uh, And there may be room now for these monogamous uh, commitments simply so that I can focus on one person at a time Mm -hmm. to see, is this person the person I'm going to marry? Mm -hmm. But that's the point. Of of dating. Not to go out and to form this serious long-term relationship that goes on forever and ever, but to date one person, to get to know them well enough, I'm focusing on this one relationship, but as soon as it's pretty clear that this is not the person that I want to marry, or they don't seem to want to marry me, mm-hmm. then that's that relationship is done. Right. Move on, because my spouse is waiting to meet me right. in that case. Uh, and so uh, then we move on. So... Yeah, it's interesting, too, I think, that when you discern that marriage is your vocation, your vocation, it turns into, no, marriage isn't my vocation, but one, this person is now my vocation. Right. Right? So, like, Haley, my wife, like, I'm not, my, my vocation is marriage, my, like, my vocation is Haley. Right. You know, it's her. It's not, like, this broad spectrum of marriage, but it's... It's now her. Yeah. And I I would agree with that, and I would say that where marriage is my vocation is in the sense... So, for example, in my uh, case, priesthood is my vocation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you could say, equivalent or analogous to what you're saying, Mm -hmm. not really priesthood is my vocation. These people that I'm serving as a priest is my vocation, Mm -hmm. but the but priesthood does define the way that I live and serve. So in that sense, marriage does define the way that I live and serve. Uh, for me to be thinking, if I'm at work, to be thinking, okay, this afternoon I'm going to be off of work and then I need to go home and be with the family and do X, Y, Z. For the married man, that's what ought to be. Right. That's what's going on in his, his mind, the same for his wife. Um, so yes, marriage is my vocation, but once I'm married, my life is centered around these people. Right. You know, I think we spoke last time about the two ways of understanding, uh, celibate love and, and married love. Mm-hmm. Celibate love we understand as a very focused kind of, or a very broad kind of love, rather, the open-ended, uh, funnel, married love as a very focused kind of love. Mm-hmm. Both are ways of loving and giving myself away as a gift to other people, uh, but one is more focused and one is more broad. And so uh, that's the case of the married man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we've gone through those things, right? Right, right, right. and we've we've talked about those things. Uh, but a person who is called to marriage and who has done this kind of effective, courting and seeking a spouse and has found the spouse uh, that they're going to marry, eventually there's an engagement. Mm-hmm. Now we get down to uh, what we call proximate 
marriage preparation. Everything we've been talking about is, in a sense, remote marriage preparation. Some of it very remote. Right. Like your little boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. very remote. Uh, but now we're talking about the proximate mo uh, preparation. And so one little aside before we move into this is to talk about uh, the single vocation. You sometimes hear about this. Uh, sometimes people ask me about uh, the single vocation. And I think that sometimes people don't make the distinction between the single vocation and the state of life that I would call the not married yet state of life. Okay. okay. They, of course, look similar. If I uh, have not married, and let's say I'm already in my 30s and I have not married, mm -hmm. so therefore I'm single, but I'm not single as a vocation until I've ruled out marriage because I'm choosing to be single. As long as I'm still open to marriage, I just haven't found the right person to marry yet, then I'm still looking to, to be married. So that's not a vocation. That's simply a state of life. Uh, that happens to be my state of life now, but if I meet the right person, I'm, I want to be married. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... I would just make that distinction. There is such a thing as a single vocation, a person who comes to discern that God is calling me to give my life, to be fruitful with my life in a celibate fashion in various ways and relationships that have to do with my work, my family, my community. Um, some people even uh, become consecrated. We have a consecrated uh, lay virgin in the diocese here. Mm -hmm. So... All of that is a possibility, and all of that is part of the single vocation, but you see the distinction. Right. It, it is a choice. All vocations would be a call and a choice, Right. Uh, but it's not accidental. And even I would say, or, or maybe let me ask, you would consider uh, someone who has discerned the vocation of marriage and is now either a, a widow or a widower, and now that person has decided, okay, now... My, my vocation has changed from marriage to, to living out the single life. Well, except that they may want to remarry. Except for they may want to remarry. Right. But the, yeah, but at that point, they may now they're in the discernment process yet again. Yes. Yeah. So uh, a person who has lost a spouse or a person who has experienced the tragedy uh, of a marriage that broke up, a, a person who has been divorced and who has sought a declaration of nullity mm -hmm. and for whom that has been granted, that person probably wants to marry. Right. Uh, the reason they married or tried to marry the first time uh, was because they wanted to be married, and that didn't work, and so they do want to be married. We can do a whole episode... On annul yeah, annulment in and on, of itself. On yeah. uh, divorce and declaration of nullity and what all of those things mean. And we ought to because there's yeah. just so much pain and confusion that a lot of it unnecessary right? because of what people mistakenly think the church teaches about divorce and all right. of that. They also think that, you know, annulments are, are the Catholic divorce. Right. Which, so yeah. we should, we should uh, clear all of that up. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be a fun episode, a good episode to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but here we're, we're in the, the approximate marriage preparation. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we've gotten engaged. Holy mackerel, it used to be uh, a big time of the year at, at the campus. You know, in campus ministry was January after the students come back from Christmas. A lot of people get engaged for Christmas, you know. Right. And uh, so, oh boy, there's lots of excited people who want to know, okay, now what? What do I do next? What, mm -hmm. what comes first? Um, and so, so given what we've said so far, mm -hmm. given that this has all been about uh, our relationship with the Lord to begin with, and the Lord has been guiding all of this, and the Lord is now guiding the engagement, the hope would be that the couple wants to give the sacrament of marriage to each other, that that's what's the primary thing on their mind now. Because with that comes, you know, sacramental grace, which is something that, you know, that's why it's, it's within the church, because the church gives, you know, gives it the sacrament, which involves sacramental grace, which holy, like, purify, like, hope makes the couple holy, which mm -hmm. they get to go to heaven, you know, that, that helps them. Uh, go to heaven, which right. uh, which is what we want. Well, here's where I think there's a distinction between the guys and the girls, right? Yeah, okay. It, it, there's probably a lot of them, but yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I at least experienced this, and I have been told this by women themselves, Okay. that uh, what you're dealing with at this stage is a young woman who has been thinking since she was a little girl about this wedding. Mm -hmm. and about what this wedding is going to be like. That can be a big thing to overcome if that's true. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, of course, could be wrong, and maybe that's a rare person that has had that on their mind. Um, but I've been told that that's pretty common. <laughs> and so that's why it's important to understand what's the next step and what's the goal now for the engaged period and the engagement and the wedding. It is that sacrament, and it is understanding correctly that it is not the church that's going to give them the sacrament. It is they who are coming and the church facilitating their giving the sacrament to each other. The married, the, the couple themselves are who bestow the sacrament on each other. So that's an important distinction because it will guide and it will, it will color uh, what they want to do now. Because... Uh, I think it's relatively common knowledge that for Catholics, the process of marriage preparation is pretty involved. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not something that you just waltz in and do in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not merely the filling out of some paper, but it's a formation. Uh, the best analogy for it is the RCIA. Uh, the sure. Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults, which now we've changed the name of What's it called now? I forget. Mm. RCIC, I think, is it's called now. Um, but the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults is, is that uh, formation process in the church where persons who are not baptized but who want to become uh, Christians go through a period of formation and testing mm -hmm. to prepare themselves to receive the sacrament. Well, the same thing is going to be true here for marriage. Um, this couple now wants to test themselves. Mm -hmm. Ideally, that's what is wanted. Uh, that's what the minister of the church is hoping, is that they're the ones who are going to drive and guide mm -hmm. their engagement and their marriage preparation that 
the church is going to provide various kinds of helps in terms of programs or books or, or um, you know, uh, mentor couples or engaged encounter retreats and all those things. But if the couple approaches those things as simply checks on a checklist to check off, uh-huh. as opposed to entering into those things with an open mind and an open heart, wanting to know what does Jesus want to teach us about each other and about our upcoming life together uh, through these things, then they're going to have a very different outcome. It's just like anything else that has to do with formation or education. You get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. So uh, it's important for the couple to recognize Jesus is now wanting to unite us in marriage what does he want to teach us about that mm-hmm. uh, to get us ready? So um, this may be a good stopping point for us, and uh, we can continue okay. on the other side with what happens next. Yeah, like what are the questions? What should we, what should we be doing? <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a good plan. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. We'll see you guys next week. Follow and subscribe in your podcast app for updates and notifications when new content is released. And thank you for listening. Together, our faith goes further.